0: Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day. The world is changing and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. In this episode of Procurement Reimagined, I'm joined by Rhys Thomas, Head of Procurement at Graze, a UK-based healthy snacking brand. Reese shares his end to end vision on digitalization in procurement, from designing the digital framework to driving its adoption. He also shares his insight on the evolution of the procurement function over the past decade. Reese describes himself as a motivated, innovative, and capable buyer manager with a proven 16 year track record in the procurement space. He believes that procurement is more than just cost reduction, it is a strategic function that adds value to the business. He is also a firm proponent of the value of supplier relationship management. Firstly, Rhys, I wanted to kind of just get an understanding of your career and we've already spoken. So I kind of uh, have a a bit of knowledge there, but for anyone listening, because for me, you're a really cool company right now. You're at Gray's and you're doing stuff that, well, I think a lot of people would like to potentially get into career-wise. So I'll just kind of hand it off to you. If you can let people know what you're up to currently and maybe what you've been up to in the last sort of 10 years or so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm currently the head of procurement at Graze. So, sort of responsible for predominantly all the direct raw material spend for the business. So, a lot of what we buy is around the things like ingredients, all the products that we use to manufacture nuts, mixes, bakery, flapjack lines, and so on. Also, all the packaging, a lot of the consumables which are used across the bakery and across the factories. And I've started to get involved as well a lot more into some of the indirect side of things. So we've just completed tenders and utility contracts, for example. Just came off a call actually earlier just about the use of Amazon Business and trying to utilize Mm. that platform for better control
0: of spending and so on. Some good savings there to be had on that platform. I found it quite interesting.
1: Opens up a lot more around the way of like, how do we control spend? How do we make sure that people are able to do what they need to do. But at the same time, there's a level of knowledge on what people are spending on. And so I've been doing a lot of work at the moment on looking at how do we get greater control on these sort of things. I've done a lot of Grays on around moving ourselves from like a very transactional procurement team. So I a team that basically was there to raise orders, take, uh, take suggestions and go, okay, we'll go with the suppliers to a much more strategic, forward-thinking team. So actually looking at where do we want to be in the next five years? How are we going to get there? Where's our tail spend? Where's our uncontrolled spend happening? What projects are the MPD or pro- portfolio teams saying, hey, we should be working on? And how do we then, as a procurement team, step in to help support that? Because at the end of the day, procurement's there to support where our job is we're effectively business partners on the procurement side, and we need to be connected to those teams and understand what's going on to deliver improvements and opportunities, not just cost, but actually in value, quality, and so on. So yeah, so it's a lot going on at Gray's at the moment and trying to help us and make sure procurement is right and a good fit for where we're going in the future is key. It's about me personally in terms of what... My background is and what I've been up to, so my background has always been procurement. I started probably about 16, 17 years ago in procurement, working in hospitality. So I worked in five-star hotels, mission-star restaurants, buying products across food, across beverage, across indexing and spending at one point, I mean, weirdest thing I bought is a, a thousand pounds worth of plates. At, like, <laughs> Literally a gold encrusted plate for a thousand pounds each, and oh, wow. Those. So buying that, and then did a stint at a company called Lethem's, where I was the category head for um grocery. So buying all the ambient products for the business, getting a lot of exposure to global procurement. So being able to buy products out of China, out of the US, out of Europe. Then we moved on to seafood. Bought. 4,000 tons of salmon at one point in my career (laughs) for sushi restaurants. And just before moving to Grey's, I was at Nature's Way Food, which is a salad manufacturer down on the south coast. So I was their category lead for ingredients for five years there. And again, anything that was sort of processed before factory or needed further processing from ingredients front, responsible for buying. So Likewise, working with chicken farmers out in Highland, working with pasta manufacturers, buying thousands upon thousands of tons of mayonnaise. (laughs) Just a varied career across food. So, Yeah. Are you a foodie? Absolutely. I grew up in New Zealand. My dad's a chef by trade. So Mm. from about 13, I was in kitchens and thinking I wanted to do something in food. Original plan was to become a chef. That then changed. (laughs) Then I wanted to become a chemist. And then eventually I fell into procurement and decided, hey, actually, this is where I want to be. And this is what I want to do for my
0: life. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool, though, because you have, despite like you've fallen into the procurement side, you've stuck fairly true to your very early visions. And it probably helps having that influence in the family, right? You've done a lot, right, as well. Like, I'm just thinking you've got maybe nine or 10 years on my procurement. Career so far, so for you, going back to like I guess like the mid early two thousands to now, what have you seen change in this procurement space?
1: I mean, if I look at what I've seen change, it's interesting. The entire view, in many ways, of profession and what we do and how we think about things from procurement side has probably changed. So, I mean, when I first started, there was probably a lot more focus on just sole cost saving, price reduction not really care about any other area of that. So procurement's focus was very much heavily on cost. I think we've made a fantastic change over the last 10 years to being a lot more business-minded, which is where we need to go, and where we need to go even further, in my opinion, is procurement's not just about cost saving. It's not there to screw over a supplier and try to get the lowest cost possible. It's actually about how do we work with the business to understand and identify what their proper needs are, how do we partner with them? And then at the same time, how do we then take that and we partner with our suppliers to deliver value that works for everybody? I mean, we've seen it more and more over the last four years even, with the likes of COVID, with Brexit, with all the various challenges that we've had in the market, being able to have strong relationships with our suppliers and being able to treat suppliers fairly Actually, the companies that have done that and teams that have done that and worked well have got better results out to the back end of it than potentially the ones that have just gone in and gone with that old school mentality of, hey, you want to work with me, I need it for 25% cheaper, cut, cut, cut. Because, I mean, if you think about it from any sort of view, if you're a supplier and you're going, hey, who do I want to give this business to? The guy who's been fair to me for the last 10 years. Or the guy who just every time I deal with him is an angry is trying to get one over me, you're always going to go with the person who works with you. So that's a major shift in what I've seen is a lot more people seem to be on board with that and wanting to go towards that vision. And I think we need to do more on how do we just continue to build those relationships. I mean, we need to prove the worth in some ways of procurement. And we can do that through that proper partnership and bringing that value to the table.
0: Yeah, that's a really cool observation. And I started off in government, in the civil service in the UK. And straight away, that put me in a rather weird position compared to a lot of people who joined say a private sector company, because it isn't necessarily always about cost there. And you do have to compete everything and you do have to spend time talking and making sure that you're getting what was agreed. And there is quite an emphasis on relationships. And then I jumped out of that world and went into the private sector for a bit. And in some places, it was just purely about cost. And I was like, oh, there's a load that could be learned from the civil service. I never thought I'd find myself (laughs) saying that. So no, that's really interesting. I think you're right. Like during COVID, I spoke to countless people in procurement who were struggling with their suppliers because they just hadn't treated them all that well to be honest, hadn't prioritized the relationships. They weren't a customer of choice and they were just saying, hey, our suppliers are working with other people. We're trying to find replacement suppliers now, but there's no replacement suppliers because everyone else is tapped up (laughs) or effectively. It was a a rather weird situation. I think it has probably expedited that change of perception about what we do. Really, Really cool to hear your background and bits there. We're going to be talking a little bit about digitalization and it's always a oh, it's a really interesting topic just to talk about and I put a lot of content out about digitalization I have done for like the last few years and I normally either get people in complete agreement or complete hatred towards me as soon as I mention the idea of digitalization but firstly, I just wanted to pose a question to you how would you define the digitalization in procurement what's your definition of that
1: so for me I think digitalization is about putting in place systems which allow us as procurement people to well, allow things to be done easier. It's about having systems that talk to each other, systems that contain the knowledge that you want. and they're in a easy to use manner for the user. For me, a good digitalization is effectively having a system in place the end user can easily go into, do what they need to do and have it all in one place. So at any point, anybody in the business can say, hey, what's happening with this area or what's happening with this process? If you think about how things are often in many teams, I think everybody's using Word, Excel, email or some terrible database system that somebody's created, which (laughs) has probably never seen the light of a user. And all it does is it drives frustration and confusion or challenges for me digitalization is just about how do we make that easier for people how do we make it so that every process and every key department that needs to touch on it can come together in a centralized area
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i was just thinking that through and i really like that definition because you're right in terms of the frustrations that are caused with the teams that are using tools like excel email probably those two predominantly and words in procurement and then you think about how like finance interacts with you how legal interacts with you and then consider when say one of your team members is off sick and they've just got records in their local area or somewhere they've got their emails that they're following that maybe other people have seen because they've been cc'd in but then you get cc'd into (laughs) hundreds of emails and then you have to spend time trawling through, because we all know that the find or the search functionality in email, regardless yeah. of what email provider you use, yeah, isn't great.
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know about you, but how many times in your career have you had a position where you've gone, okay, we're onboarding a new supplier, let's set them up. You fill out a form which goes to accounts, you fill out another form or send an email that goes to the technical team, and then you're in a position going, right, can we place an order or can we go with the supplier then you've got to go okay now I need to email five different people and find out if finance have done their due diligence checks technical have done theirs legal have a chance to have had a chance to review the contract for us to sign and you spend half your time chasing before you can even go to that next step whereas yeah having a system where you can actually go in and say hey okay sitting here this is all done you can narrow down very quickly what you need to do and what's missing, which is key for fast movement, really.
0: Yeah, you remove that wasted time because I I do view it as wasted time, right? If you're spending time searching for something that you know is there or should be there or is in progress, but you have no way of knowing exactly where it is, that's just so much time wasted there that you could... And it does take a long time, right? Those things aren't trivial. If you have five, 10 suppliers a day, and some people will be working with way more quantities than that, that's a very, very light, conservative estimate there. If you're spending 20, 30 minutes just finding the right stuff, you've almost wasted one day straight away just finding stuff every single day for each of those. So, no, I'm with you. From my side as well,
1: that saving on that amount of time wasted, I'd much prefer my team spending those three, four hours that they probably spend searching and trying to get stuff done on three, four hours of actual true supplier relationship management or building or sourcing or the value add pieces for the business, not the one thing of going, have you been able to find a new supplier to solve this issue mm. and then going, oh, no, I spent half my day trying to chase a supplier set up. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's not the greatest use of time, basically.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And is that the benefit to digitalization in that it allows you to do the value add piece
1: more? I definitely think it's one of the key benefits is it frees up time and it gives you more time to focus on what you should be focusing on. The other benefit I see is very much about having all the information to one location. So avoiding duplication, avoiding... If you think about when you go through a contract negotiation, having the ability to have all the contracts, say, in one location and both internal and external parties being able to feed into that prevents all those times where you've seen a contract out, you get back version 2.123, and then half a day later, you think you have been working on this and the supplier's been working on a different contract because oh, it's not. That's,
0: that was my life. I spent a lot of time as a contract manager within procurement and I can't tell you how many contracts I've been negotiating for the supplier to have sent me back one to review on a Friday. I review it on the Monday, send it back and they're like, oh, actually we worked on it over the weekend. We've got a version 3.1 and I'm just like, what? In what world does this make sense? So I'm, yeah, completely aligned to that problem. And yeah, like just having everything in one place is so, I think almost undervalued because... Procurement are so used to working in like disparate ways of, you know, we might have some stuff in local, we might have stuff in the cloud, might have stuff in SharePoint, and we have links from a tracker, which is normally an Excel or Google Sheets app to all of these places. But it's just so tedious to maintain that. And yeah, I think just the freeing up of time and to having everything in in one place is wonderful. I guess what I want to also ask you is what are some of the pitfalls here though? Because I appreciate that both of us are, and we've discussed the whole digitalization piece over the last couple of months and had some good conversations. We're fans of it. And when you're fans of it, you can see it through uh, rose-tinted glasses. But are there any pitfalls that you see about turning procurement digital?
1: I mean, yes. If I look at the industry and look at what's happened around this space, there's more and more systems, more and more offers from a digitalization. And now we're in a position where if you go out and I've been doing some work on systems recently. You go out to market, you look, okay, who's out there? And you can find 50 options and 50 different people who can do some element of these, uh, of what you're looking for. And you can very quickly end up in a pitfall of that point of, oh great, these guys do this amazing system, but these guys do something which is slightly bit different, but they offer similar. And if you're not careful, you either over or under your system Or you end up in a position where you go, okay, I need to use this program for my sourcing element. I need to use this program for my contract management. I need to use this program for my quality management system. And then you go, but how do I then get these
0: things to talk? Like just having one product that does all of it or having a best of breed, having lots of different solutions. And when I say lots, it could be two, right? It could be sourcing and relationship management or whatever. But you're right. Like how do these all plug together? It's a concern. Have you got any thoughts on how you do solve that? To me, it's being really clear
1: almost at the beginning stages of trying to spec out and understand what you're looking for. And also not thinking just about the short term, but also thinking about where you're going for the long term. Some of the work that we're doing at the moment is taking the thing of, OK, if I break it down, what are the key components that I want to do? OK, out of these key components, who are the suppliers out there that can fill the majority of it? And where will I then need to get additional loop in and actually on those additional pieces is the does it need to talk to the other elements of it so like let's say sourcing if you say okay i have a system that allows me to go out to and do an e-tender and do an e-option and electronically source and suppliers can feed into it various members of the company can go and put their requisitions through it do you actually need that It would be nice to but doesn't need to then talk to, say, an onboarding system that then the quality ethical checks. And in some cases, the answer may actually be no, you don't necessarily need that, because you can say, okay, it's a line in the sand. Once we source that, we then port it onto the onboarding piece. And as long as this back end then talks all the relevant pieces, great. But then it's also thinking, where do we want to be in the next few years? It's complicated because there is that thinking of how do we make this the most efficient system, but also future-proof it. There's been times you've looked at, oh, I've done work, and you've gone, okay, here's a system, great, we put it in. Four years down the line, you go, okay, I now need to change it. Yeah. And it's not as simple as, hey, I'll bolt this part onto it. It becomes say, okay, if I put this in, I need to redo every other bit of the system as well, which is
0: always fun when that happens. A really sound bit of advice there, Reese. in that having that longer term vision is you're not thinking one or two years in advance, you're looking sort of five, ten years. And that is actually really hard to do. And you have to have the foresight of like, actually, what's our procurement team like now as like capability wise? What are we trying to solve in the business? Where do we want to be in the business? How do we want to partner with them? What do people in the business need from us to make it easier to use us and work with us? And then you're like, oh, well, what products are out there that do that now? And then what do these products, what are they going to look like in five years? Because these products are always changing, right? As well when it's a typical SaaS world and, and SaaS changes. And on the integration piece of like tying everything together, I can remember when I was in my FinTech role and when I sourced Gatekeeper, one of the main things I really liked was that at the time we had zero as the ERP and we were thinking of going to NetSuite in the future. And it was like, how do we get this talk into zero? Because there wasn't like no native integration at the time. And we used a tool called Zapier. And I can't tell you how life-changing Zapier has been just in my personal life. I have it connecting things into Notion for me. But it was just really cool because every time we onboarded a vendor, it would zap it into zero, And then the record was in zero. And we could just tie everything in. And it's just thinking like, is there another very cheap and Zapier is incredibly cheap to run. Like, are there other ways to connect the dots between these systems? But I agree. It's like, how would you know to think about this in the first place? I almost think it's the number one challenge. You made an interesting point of it's not an easy feat to suddenly change out a system four years down the line. Because you may have to change like all the processes you've built or other interactions there. Is adoption an issue as well? So getting not just your procurement team to use it, but everyone else in the business to use it.
1: it. Completely. I think I mean adoption's always going to be a sticking point on people like what they're used to. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, true. I will fully prove that in the sense that I mean Grays currently uses the G V Suite for most of what we do. Yeah. Whereas for the last fifteen odd years I've worked only with Outlook and Microsoft. So <laughs> absolutely despise every single thing to do with the system because you're used to the way that you work and you go, hey, it's easier to do this. And then suddenly you find things are different or buttons aren't where they used to be and it just annoys you. So adoption's always going to be a difficult thing. But I think that's also where, for me, it comes back to the specking piece and looking at it because user experience is probably something that you also need to take into consideration on specking out a system or specking out a design. You want something that's easy to use. Anyone can go in and actually go contracts, for example. How many contracts do we have live? Where are we with them? How many are in negotiation? How many are open? How many are closed? And very easily be able to see that data. And have it intuitive so people can go, oh, I click here. This does that. The easier you make it for the user, the easier it is in some ways to get that adoption and people start going and actually, yeah, I'll use it. If they've got to go in, got to try to work out how to use it and then go to a reference book and go, oh, I've got to type exactly this into it to make this work. (laughs) Very quickly, you'll have people either going, okay, I'm not using that at all and just ignoring it, or you get people who suddenly start doing those workarounds where they start slightly, they basically work out the very least that they can do to make the system work, which doesn't then give you all the data or the information that you potentially want, And then you got teams or the purchase team ripping their hair out going, what the hell are they trying to request here? Or a tender's not done properly or an item's not sourced properly because it's not being set correctly because somebody's just gone, I can't be
0: bothered. So it's key. That's a really interesting point. I think you're completely right on like, you need to make it so easy that anyone can effectively just go in and almost with no training, click a few buttons and kind of figure out, oh, this shows me like you say this is where my contracts are and it shows me how many we've got and oh this insight here tells me how many actions i have for example at any one time completely
1: yeah it's always good as well to that point of being able to see actions and for people being able to see what's going on because again you can get to that point of being able to say okay i've got a team member sick or somebody's away and very easily go into a system and say right this person was outstanding What do I need to pick up? Or if you're on board a new person and they're taking over somebody's new role, having it all in one location, they can quickly go in and go, okay, that was the outstanding bits that I now need to follow up on. Which, again, makes things a lot nicer and easier for people to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, agree. And I think just one observation whenever people start talking about digitalization is that they can make it sound quite difficult and the use cases can sound kind of wild. I think what we've done in this conversation today is kind of just highlight actually just some very small changes can effectively completely change how your team works. And this is kind of how I view it as well. It's just that one step away from email and Excel can make a huge difference. It really can, Reese. I'm super conscious of time, and I do just want to quickly. I have like four super fast questions. We try to do. Don't worry if you don't have exact numbers or anything like that. It's just a bit of lighthearted fun, so that our listeners and effectively can give like a comparison. Because I'm very aware that your industry may be very different to someone listening who works in defence in terms of their daily roles. So, first question in this let's call it quick fire round is how many contracts. Do you currently manage or responsible for? It can be a range. It can be a rough idea. Yeah.
1: So, in terms of directly responsible for, it's probably around. It's around 150 to 200 contracts. Mm. That's responsible. Now, those contracts vary. So, it'll be like standard framework agreements through to price based contracts. If I then look at the rest of the business. It's a number I'm trying to get
0: at the moment. (laughs) No, don't worry. I feel you're... I was going to say pain. It's not necessarily pain, is it? But uh, like you said at the start, you're kind of moving the needle from transactional to strategic and it's a journey. And over time, you'll get on top of it, right? And you know that. And maybe we'll stick on the theme of numbers. Do you know how many vendors you currently have? Or is that just astronomical (laughs) amounts?
1: It's not too bad. I mean, it's around, again, on direct materials... We work with roughly around 80 different suppliers. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not massive. And again, a lot of that number is actually on the smaller tail end, like our direct to consumer ranges. So some of the smaller single type products that we'll buy, we'll have individual suppliers for. And then we'll have like our top five suppliers who are responsible for like, most of the packaging, most of the core ingredients for us as a business.
0: Yeah, okay, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah, for some reason, and this is my complete inexperience in your world, thought it'd be way more. And that actually sounds very healthy. <laughs> so that's good. What's one piece of tech that you could not live without? Could be software, could be hardware. We're kind of coming at it from the lens of, you know, helping with your procurement role in some way. I mean,
1: in terms of just hardware and bits and pieces. I mean, it's a simple one, but I definitely can't live without my phone and actually being able to access. Honestly,
0: everyone's saying phone. And it's really interesting, Reese, because I spoke to Dave last week, Dave Jones, and I don't know what order these episodes are going to come out in. So that might sound weird if his episode's not out yet. And I was like, he was going to say phone as well. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to let you know, almost everyone, and I think you might be the ninth person I've interviewed now on this podcast, has said phone. And just thinking about it, like phone may be mine because... Like you say you can access everything from it and that's kind of what eloise epstein talks about in the procurement tech space is like the phone interface the operating system where you can just click on an app that effectively needs to be the future of digital procurement as well yeah i like that i like that people are saying that really cool last question weird one here at least i find it weird asking it after like the ninth time i still can't get over it so i always caveat that this is slightly weird reese so I'm your personal procurement genie here, and you've got one procurement wish. What can I grant for you today?
1: It's a very good question. I'm trying to think what can.
0: I thought you were going to say for the SIPs website to be working so you could get your SIPs exams results. <laughs> that is definitely one that comes to mind of getting it. I think to that digitalization piece, and also in
1: some ways, probably that SIPs space as well, <laughs> is to me, there is more and more of a need on. People being able to develop a system or develop a program that actually works for the users and works for people.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's more of a personal bugbear of mine, but so many times somebody goes, I've got a great system. And you go, Yeah, I can see the benefit of it. But then you try to use it and you end up looking at it and just going, Well, this is unusable for any sort of normal person. And, I just wish that there was a bit more thought that some people went and people thought more about their user rather than thinking, how can they pigeonhole as much junk into this thing? So I can say, hey, look, it does everything, but when you go into it, you go, Yeah, great, but I can't do any (laughs) of (laughs) it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is a very nice wish there, Reese. I just want to say thanks, Reese. This has been a super chilled out, wonderful conversation. I've been suffering with a migraine all morning and all night, by the way. And just coming on Despite the light blinding me here, it's kind of distracted me a little bit. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Reese. Really appreciate it. Thanks
1: for having me on, Danny.
0: Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.